Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Before we start reading God's word, this is our second week, and we are talking about, you know, it's quiz time now. Um, we're yeah. talking about what? What are we talking about, Wayne? I have no idea. But the answer <laughs> <laughs> it's a good answer. It's just not the, not the right answer for this question. We started last week, and we start talking about one of the very fundamental uh, doctrines of our Christian faith, which is... Do you have some? Okay, Sister Laura has some prizes. You guys better get some, uh, your A game here to see who is actually following up. Okay, perfect. Three things, we'll see. Do they open them up right, right now or just keep it for later? Oh, we'll open it up. Okay, so I have, need three right answers. What did we talk about last week or what is the uh, series that we're talking about right now? The blood of Jesus. Yes, the power of the blood of Jesus. Here you go, Barb. Now you guys are motivated to answer. Okay, great. You want to open it? Show us what's in it. Awesome. Okay, and we have more. Sister Nancy, I need you in the game with me, okay? <laughs> All right, last week we started, and the first topic we talked about when it comes to the blood of Jesus was forgiveness. forgiveness. Absolutely. What was the scripture we used last week? Without, that's from Hebrews chapter 9, without the shedding of blood, without the blood shed, there is no forgiveness. Here you go. Open it up and show us what you have. Nice. Okay, last one. Okay, so last week when we start talking about the power of the blood of Jesus, we say that there are three times in Hebrews chapter 9 that the author of Hebrews mentioned the word without blood. He said that there's three things could never be done without blood. I'll help you out. Last week we talked about the first thing that could have never been done without the shedding of blood, and that is the forgiveness of sins. He said that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. That's number one. The second one, he said that could never be done without the shedding of blood, is inaugurating a covenant or starting a covenant with God. He said that even the Old Testament covenant was not inaugurated without blood. And then there was a third thing that he said could never be done without the shedding of blood. Remember what it was? We're going to talk about it today. So if you have your notes, maybe you can help. Salvation, that's true. <laughs> okay. I want to give it to somebody, this last gift. Okay, we'll keep it till next week. It was entering into the holy place. He said that the high priest in the Old Testament could never enter or could, could enter to the Holy of Holies, but with blood. And without blood, the high priest could never enter into the Holy of Holies. Okay? So that's the three things that the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 9 said could never be done without the shedding of blood or without blood. So we're going to be talking about that. Um, we started last week. No forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Today we're going to talk about how without blood, no one of us can ever enter into the Holy places or the Holy of Holies. And then next week, next week I'm out so that 
two weeks after probably, we're going to talk about how the blood of Jesus is the foundation and the seal, the reason and the source for us to ever enter into the new covenant that we have with God. Amen? So today we're going to talk about entering into the holy places only on the basis and the reason that we can ever do it is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me again to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22. Um, everyone has notes? Okay, if it's in your notes as well. So Hebrews, 19, uh, Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Here is what the author of Hebrews say. Buckle up, this is going to be good. I, I truly enjoyed it yesterday, just reading and studying. Um, here is what the author of Hebrews say. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the veil or the curtain that is his flesh, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What is the author of Hebrews saying here? He's pretty much trying to encourage his listeners to do what he mentioned in verse 22. He said, let us draw near. Let's come close to God. Draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And in order for the author of Hebrews to motivate the people, the listeners, to actually have the confidence and the assurance that they can come close to God, he mentioned in these couple of verses here that we have two things. And these two things are good assurances for us that we can come truly into the presence of God. Can you help me out? What did he say in these two verses that we have? Number one, we have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Amen? That's number one. We have the foundation of the blood of Jesus by which we can enter into the holy place. But the second, the second assurance we have that we can always come draw near to God is what? We have a great high priest over the house of God. Amen. And these two things here that the author of Hebrews say we have, he said because of these two things, we can always come into the holy places, come into the presence of God. Amen. So today we're just going to be very narrow and we're going to focus only on these few words. We have, we can enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Look at how many words here. Enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Nine words. That's only we, where we're going to stop today. Okay? So what is going on? Why do we need the blood of Jesus to enter into the holy places? What's going on? Let's go back into the Old Testament. And we see the background of that verse. And the Bible actually tells us very clearly that sin, sin has separated us from God. Amen? That's in... Um, Isaiah 59 verse 2. Here is what the Bible says. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Sin has separated us from God. We were singing earlier that God is holy. He is pure. Right? He is he doesn't like sin. He doesn't come close to sin. He's so pure. He's so holy. On the other hand, we are so sinful, right? He is holy and we are sinful. 
Holy and sinful don't mix together, okay? And not only that, the problem is that God is also a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. So it's like you come close to him and there is sin in you and he's so pure and holy. One thing is going to happen to you for sure. You know what's going to happen? You're going to be struck dead. Because he's holy and he's consuming fire. You are sinful. I am sinful. Therefore, we can never even come close to the holy places where God is. Right? And that's why I want you to follow, up, follow me up with this. In the Old Testament... Over and over and over again, God tells the people, keep away from me. Stand from afar. Okay? Let me show you some examples of that. The first example, Exodus 20, 18 to 21. So what is going on in that chapter? God has just given the Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. God was on the mountain. He gave the commandment to the children of Israel and they all at the base of that mountain. Now, let's read what happened. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. This is what happened when God came down on that mountain. The people were afraid and trembled. Follow up with me. And what does the Bible say after that? And they, what happened? Stood far off. They stood far away from the presence of God. And if we escape to verse 21, the people stood far off while Moses drew near to, um, to the, the darkness where God, to the thick darkness where God was. So the people stood far away from the presence of God because the presence of God was so terrifying to the people. The reason is God is so holy and people are so sinful and they cannot even come close to the holy places, to the presence of God. Example number two. Exodus 24, 1 and 2. What is happening in that chapter? God now is inaugurating the first covenant, his covenant with Moses and the children of Israel. That's, where, that's what's happening here in chapter 24. Let's read how the whole thing started. Then he said to Moses, God said to Moses, <clears throat> Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, these two guys right here, they are the children of Aaron. For you guys who are not very familiar with scripture, let me explain to you who are these people. Moses is the one that God used to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt, okay? Aaron is his brother, who later on became the high priest, like the, the chief minister of the children of Israel. Now, um, uh, Nadab and Abihu happened to be his children, and they eventually were in the process to take over the position of the high priest. So, um, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship what? From afar. Come and worship, but when you come to worship, stand far Away from me, God says. Stand far away. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord. But the other, what does the Bible say? Shall not come near. Don't come close to me. Shall not, um, shall not come near. And the people shall not come up with him. So God is saying, I mean, these are the, the leaders, the elders, this guy Aaron and his children. That's the high priest. That's, that's the, the holiest one in the nation. But when God says, come close to me, he said, only Moses come so he can actually get my word. But everybody else, 
far away. I don't want nobody else to come close. You know why God is doing that? Because he's wanting to spare their lives. Because if they ever approach God and they have sin in them, guess what's going to happen? God will strike them dead because he's a holy God. And we are sinful people. That's example number two. It's going to get more interesting now. Let's turn. You can read with me. Leviticus 10, 1 to 3. We read a story there. Very interesting story. Now, Nadab and Abihu. You remember these two guys? That's the children of Aaron who just were in the mountain with him on, in Exodus 24. The sons of Aaron took their respective censers, fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense in, um, on it and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. God gave very strict rules about when you approach him, what do you do with the censers? These two guys, even though they were leaders, they did not obey God 100%. There was sin. Now, they put strange fire in these censers when they came approached God. Verse 2, look at this. And fire came down from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. God struck them dead with fire from heaven. Why? Well, let's follow up and read why they died. Verse 3, then Moses said to Aaron, it is what the Lord spoke saying. Listen, here's the reason why God struck them dead. By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy or show myself holy. That's what God says here. And therefore, and before all the people, I will be honored. So Aaron, their father, kept his silence. So from the explanation here that we read that Moses was saying, it looks like these people were trying to approach God, but they were not approaching God after they have been purified, there was sin in them. They were not 100% obedient to God. And because they were not obedient, because there was sin in them, what happened? God sent fire from heaven and has consumed them. And here is the reason why. God said, if anybody want to come close to me, they shall treat me as holy. I am holy, I am pure, I am set apart, I am different, I am not like you guys. When you come to me, you should be very, very, very sanctified and pure. Because if you come to me and you're not clean, guess what's going to happen to you? Fire is going to come down from heaven and you're going to die. Approaching the presence of God is no joke, right? You can die for it if you don't it and there is sin in you. Let's read another example. Leviticus 16. Now, in that chapter right here, God is giving Moses the instructions of the day of the atonement. That's the one day in the year where the high priest can actually come into the presence of God. Come into the holy of holies. Okay? So let's read the context or some of the instruction that God is showing the people how they can approach him. Okay? So Leviticus 16. Let's read verse 1 and 2. Listen to this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of his two, the two sons of Aaron when they had... You follow me? So... Leviticus 16 now is kind of a build up on Leviticus 10. When the two children of Aaron died, now God is like, okay, I don't want this to happen again. I don't want to kill any more people. So let me set the rules here. So when you come close to me, you know exactly how to save your life. Okay. 
So here is verse 1 and 2 again. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron. When they, look at this, had approached the presence of the Lord and died. So again, in Leviticus 16, it makes it pretty clear what they did in Leviticus 10. They tried to approach the presence of the Lord, but they were not pure. There was sin in them. And because they approached the presence of the Lord and there was sin, what happened to them? They died. Verse 2, the Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron that he shall not enter. Look at this. Look at this. He shall not enter at any time into the holy place inside the veil. So God is telling Moses, tell Aaron, you can't just come to my presence whenever you want. You cannot just show up whenever you like to. You cannot come to me any day of the year inside the veil. Before the mercy seat, which, um, which is on the ark. So in the holy places, in the holy of holies, there was a place called the ark of the covenant. And it's covered by something called the mercy seat. I'm hoping one day we're going to study that in depth. But God is saying here to Aaron and his children, the high priest. This is the good guy. This is the, the most holy person in the nation. God is saying, you don't, just, you don't just show up in my presence whenever you want. Come behind the veil where I'm in when my Ark of the Covenant is covered by the mercy seat. You just don't do it like whenever you like to. Okay? And then he said, um, do, you, do you see the first few words after that? Or he will die. God said, you show up before me. Anytime you want, with, with, without following my rules, it's simple. Well, you're going to die. It's no joke to approach the presence of a holy God, right? Or he will die. So God want to spare his life. That's why he's telling him how he can do it right. And then he said, for I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. And then if we skip to verse 13 and 14, this is what God said. How when Aaron gets into the veil, behind the veil, into the Holy of Holies, here is what the high priest has to say. He shall put the incense um, on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the ark of the testimony. Otherwise, if you don't do it this way, what's going to happen? He will die. Remember, I think... There's no, I didn't read commentaries for it or anything like that. But I think that the striking similarities between the censer and the fire and the smoke between the children of Aaron and how they did it wrong. And here God plainly say, when you come to me, here is exactly what you need to do. The censer and the fire and the incense. Otherwise you'll die. I think that's where the children of Aaron's fall. There's no Bible for it. It's just my opinion. Okay. I think that's the part they messed up. Um, otherwise he will die. Verse 14. Moreover, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side, also in the front of the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. So God is giving Aaron very specific instructions when he comes into the holy of holies, when he comes into the presence of God. And he say, when you come, you have to have the censer, the smoke should cover the place because the, the, the Ark of the Covenant need to be covered with that smoke. And not only that, you need to sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant and on the mercy seat. And guess what's going to happen to you, Aaron, if you don't follow my instructions? You're going to die. Approaching the presence of God is no joke. It is serious business. I mean, I was just thinking, we're singing holy, holy, but we really don't know what that means. We don't know what it means that God is holy and we are sinful. We cannot... Come close to God 
not even in our very best dreams, we cannot come close to God. Last example in the Old Testament. And here we have it, that Baal. So, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, the tabernacle, that's the, the, the sanctuary in the Old Testament. When you get into the fence, there is the yard, and then, then you get into the building. And the building has two um, um, chambers, two, two rooms. The first one called the holy place, and then the second one called the holy of holies. The holy of holies, that's where the presence of God usually dwells. And these two rooms are separated by something called the veil. Okay? Let's read about the veil a little bit. See what the Bible says here. Exodus 26, uh, 31 to 34. You shall make a veil, God says, of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim. This is very important. Cherubim, the work of a skillful workman in, um, and shall bring it shall bring in the ark of the testimony there within the veil. And the veil should serve for you. Look at this. And the veil should serve for you as a partition, a separation between the holy place and the holy of holies. You shall put the mercy seat, that's what resembles the presence of God, the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony and the holy of holies. So God says the ark of the covenant covered with the mercy seat, which represent my presence, should be inside the Holy of Holies. And there has to be a veil, a curtain that has to be covering the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant, and you cannot get into that veil, throughout the veil, into the Holy of Holies. And God said that this veil should serve as a partition, right? What does that mean? Separation, right? So the veil means you are separated from the presence of God. You can't just get into God's presence anytime you want. There is a veil. There is a separation. And not only that. The Bible says that this veil has cherubims on it. Okay? Which is a kind of angels. Now, you guys remember, if you remember, when was the first time ever the word cherubim was mentioned in the scripture? Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden... God blocked the way back by a cherubim, an angel called cherubim. And he has a sword of fire twisting everywhere so he can, in a way, hold the way back for Adam and Eve to get back into the garden. Cherubim always in the scripture represent the wrath of God, the judgment of God over sin. It's a warning sign. If you see a cherubim, you better run for your life because this cherubim means business. Amen? So God said, on the veil, you have to put cherubim. I think it's more like a warning sign that says, don't enter high voltage. That's how, I, if, if it's in the 21st century, this is what God will do. A high voltage sign, no enter. If you come going to hear, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to smoke you. Because you cannot enter into the presence of God. Scary, huh? Scary. But this is God. He is holy. When God says, I don't like sin, he, guess what? He really means it. He really cannot tolerate sin at all. Aren't we in deep trouble? Because every single day we sin. I sin like a million times coming to church today. But God is so pure. He's so holy. He's a consuming fire. Sin can never ever come close to him. Because if it ever comes close to his presence, he's going to smoke that person who has committed sin. Because he's a holy and righteous God. Amen? 
That's bad news so far, right? Here's the good news. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brothers, what happened? We have confidence. I'm thinking maybe in the Old Testament, every time the high priest go into the Holy of Holies, maybe he's a little bit shaky. Maybe, maybe a little bit shaky, just in case he does it wrong. You know what I mean? He go in, I, I'm, I don't know if they are or not, but I am guessing, if, if I have to estimate, he's probably a little bit scared. But the author of Hebrews say, we don't come into God's presence shaking and trembling. We come into the presence of God with what? With confidence, with authority, with boldness. Well, but what about our sin? God will smoke us alive once we come close to him. Well, the good news is this. We, can, we have boldness to come into the presence of God. We can enter there by the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus died on the cross. His blood has done away with sin once and for all. And because our sin is covered under the blood of Jesus, we now have access to the very presence of a holy and righteous God. Amen? I tell you, the blood of Jesus is so powerful. Amen? Let's look at some scripture in the New Testament to see how the blood of Jesus took care of our sin. Let's start with Hebrews 9, 11 to 12, right before chapter 10 that we were reading from. Here is what the author of Hebrews say. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not the one that is made with hands like the Old Testament tabernacle that is not of this creation. Just like the Old Testament one. Verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and cows, but with his own blood he has entered the most holy place. How often? Once and for all. Once for all having obtained what? Eternal redemption. How many times did Jesus have to go into the Holy of Holies every year like the Old Testament high priest? No. How many times? Once and for all. Why did Jesus have to go in just once? You know why? Because his blood is so powerful that he needed to do it only once to cover up sin once and for all, for all eternity, for all the fallen human race. Amen? And what kind of redemption has he obtained? He has obtained temporary redemption, right? Right? No, not temporary, Sister Justin. I hope it's not temporary. He has obtained eternal redemption. It's forever. You know why his redemption is forever? But the blood of cows and goats of the Old Testament was every year, was not eternal. Because the blood of Jesus is so far more powerful than any other blood that could ever be shed for the sake of sin. His blood is all sufficient for a holy and righteous God. That when God sees the blood of Jesus for all eternity, he will never see sin no more. Amen? And that's why we have confidence to enter into the holy places. It's because the blood of Jesus covered our sins. Amen? Another example. Hebrews 9, 24, 26. Look what the author of Hebrews says. For Christ has not entered the holy places with his hands. There's just a little bit, few verses down from the passage we just read. Which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Verse 25. Not that he should offer himself often. He didn't have to do it multiple times. As the high priest entered the holy place every year with blood of another. 
Verse 26, and then Jesus would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. If Jesus has to do it the same way, like the Old Testament high priest, then had to, he has to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But look at the good news. Amen? Ready for some good news? Here is what the Bible says. But now, but now, once, how many times? Once, at the end of the ages, he has appeared to do what? To put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Amen? Jesus appeared once into the very presence of God. And his blood was all sufficient to put away sin once and for all. That God who is extremely holy, extremely righteous, can never see sin or have sin come close to him at all. Now it's very satisfied because of the blood of Jesus that he doesn't see sin no more. Amen? What do we have? We have confidence. To come into the holy places. How? By the blood of Jesus. Because it's all powerful. Amen? One more example. The passage we just read. Therefore we have confidence enter into the holy places. That was Hebrews 10, 19. Right? Let's just read the first couple of verses before that. And see why we have confidence to come into the holy places. Let's read verse 14 to 19. Here's what the author of Hebrews said. For by how many offerings? One, One offering. He has, he has did what? He has perfected. For how long? Forever. You need to stop at every single word in that verse. It's just unbelievable. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he has said before, this is the covenant which I make. This is a quote now. The author of Hebrews is quoting Jeremiah 31. That's the new covenant that we enter into based on the blood of Jesus. Verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds their sin and their lawless deeds. I will remember how often no more. Verse 18, now, now where there is remission of these, now that sins are forgiven once and for all, and God doesn't say it anymore, now that the remission of these, there is no longer offering for sins. There is no need to bring a sacrifice or an offering for our sins before God no more. Why? Because God doesn't see our sins no more, right? That's what he says in verse 15. And then comes verse 19. Start by the word what? Therefore, therefore, because our sins are forgiven once and for all, and God doesn't see it no more, there, and because of that, we don't need to bring an offering to God no more. Therefore, because the blood of Jesus is all sufficient, therefore, let us do what? Have boldness and enter into the holy places based on what? The blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus is all enough for our sins. And because of that, God doesn't see it no more. And now, even though God's still as holy as the Old Testament, is still as righteous as the Old Testament, he still doesn't tolerate sin the same way he did it in the Old Testament. But now, the difference is we can come close to him because of what? The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. We don't come into the presence of God based on our good deeds. Does the Bible say we come into the presence of God based on how good works we do? It doesn't, does it? But I'm a good person. Guess what? 
Aaron was a good person. His children were the good person, people. But if they make a mistake, guess what? They're smoked because God is so holy. One tiny impurity in your heart is just bad enough before God that he will not let you live in his presence. Amen? We don't have confidence to enter into the holy places because of our good deeds. And it is sure not because of our sincerity. I'm a sincere person. Therefore, God looks into my heart and sees how sincere I am. And he'll let me in. Good luck. It doesn't work. You don't enter into the presence of God because of your good personality or good deeds. You don't enter because of your sincerity. And sure, you don't enter because you are a worthy person. Amen? But we enter into the presence of God on one foundation and one foundation only. And it's called what? The blood of Jesus. Amen? We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So what happened to the veil? Wasn't there a veil in the Old Testament? Amen. Let's, let's read that. Matthew 27, 50 and 52. Look at this. Look at this. Matthew 27, 50 and 52. And Jesus cried out again and with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Jesus died. Look at verse 51. What is the first word that comes after that? Then. You see that? Then, when Jesus died, when his blood was shed, then, behold, the veil of the temple is torn into two from top to bottom. When Jesus died, when his blood was shed, God looked at his blood and said, this is good enough for me. I don't need veil no more. So God himself torn the veil from, not bottom to top, from top to bottom. God started that tearing process and he said, I don't need a veil no more. Anybody now can come into your presence. Not because people all of a sudden are more holy, but because the blood of my son Jesus is good enough for me that they just can come into my presence. Amen. Amen? Amen. This is good stuff, friends. We have confidence to enter into the holy places by the blood of Jesus. The, play, the, the way now is open that we can enter into the holy, holy of holies. Let me just compare this and then we'll pray. Remember in Exodus chapter 24, what did the Holy Spirit guide the people to say? Worship from afar. But in the New Testament, what does the Bible say? Let us draw near. near. Why? What makes the difference? It's sure not because all of a sudden the human race became more holy. Amen? But it's because of one other thing that made all the difference to a holy and righteous God. And it is what? The blood of Jesus. It's not good works, friend. If you think that you're going to come to God one day or spend eternity with him because you're such a good person, I have bad news for you. It ain't going to happen. There's no such a thing as a good person. We're all sinners before God. But the good news is when we all could not reach out to God, God reached down to us. And Jesus' blood is all sufficient for your sins. You can come to God's presence even today. But if you cannot come based on your own merits, guess what's going to happen? You're going to perish and you're going to die. But if you're going to approach God based on the blood that Jesus shed for you on the cross, then you're not just going to come. You're going to come with confidence. Amen? Let's all close our eyes and pray. Yes, Lord. <clears throat>